wants to know what he's thinking. Bright Man! Aqualads and Aqualasses, welcome back into the Aqua Cave for the latest edition of Bright Man, where we talk about whatever bright idea pops into my head. And this week, I think we've got a fun one for you. It's a little nostalgic, it's a little bit of a throwback. Yes, it's kind of a random topic that probably doesn't need discussed, but fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. It's WrestleMania, the album, a Simon Cowell joint from 1993. Oh boy. You know, I own this album, as I'm sure many of us did, and yes, it's cheesy. Okay, let's get that out of there right now. But at the same time, it's a lot of fun. And I felt like it deserves some attention because honestly, some of these tracks live with us all the way from our childhood to the various states of adulthood, in quotation marks, that we are in now. And I wanted to revisit this thing and I wanted to see if I could find a way to be objective about this. Because after all, when you say you're going to review uh, an album, all right, it's all very, very subjective. And I'm no sort of musical critic, okay? All I know is how something makes me feel and how I respond to it, okay? Music is is a a very difficult one for me to dive into and really sort of articulate different points. And, you know, I can't break this thing down musically, all right? I can't tell you that, oh, that's an improper use of tempo, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't know that, and I'm sorry. Um, It's just something that never got into my head. So what I've done is I've created some categories, Uh, to try and make this as fair and as even Stevens as I can. I've created six different categories that we will use to rank each song. Now, each category is ranked on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being, you know, bad, and 10 being really, really, really good. With six categories ranging from, I guess, 0 to 10, I guess you should say, not 1 to 10, uh, the total possible score is 50, not 60, which doesn't seem to add up at all mathematically, but folks, I will explain. Let's talk about what the categories are that we're going to be using as our metrics. Category number one is character information. Does the song gel with or inform a listener as to who this wrestler is and what this wrestler represents? Okay, that's pretty straightforward and fair, I feel like. After all, most of these tracks are designed for a specific wrestler. Uh, So, does it inform the audience who they are? Number two, the character's performance. Does the performer do a good job of... Big finger quotes here singing. So how do they perform during this uh, musical interlude that we are forced to listen to? Number three, musical production. Does the song production gel with and match with the character? And this is sort of more of a how does it feel sort of thing. Is the, is the song produced in a way that you feel is conducive to a positive or negative experience? Number four, musical vocals. Now, when the wrestler is not performing vocals, there's definitely a studio singer, rapper, band, chorus that will add in vocals of their own to keep the song popping and going. 
How good are they? A good, I almost said, how good are they? <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of Bright Man starring Pat Patterson. How good are they? Do they sync up with the song's presentation? You know, is it? does it seem conducive to the overall experience, how these musicians or vocalists are performing? Does it stand out like a sore thumb? Is it perhaps the only redeeming quality of the song? We'll get there. Number five is imagery. Kind of a unique one. But keep in mind, this is the era of music videos. So what do you see? Or I guess what do I see in my head when I'm listening to this song? A higher score usually means that I see a fair representation of the performer or the story that they're trying to get across. This one is more of a fun one, and I hope you feel the same way. Now, the final category, which explains why the top score can only be 50, is embarrassment. Just how embarrassing is this fucking song? Now, these numbers are deducted from the score. So if it's not embarrassing at all, it gets a zero, and nothing is deducted from the first five categories. If it gets a 10, well, we deduct that 10 from the final number that we reached. It seems to make sense, and I think it's pretty straightforward. So let's dive in to WrestleMania, the album. Up first, everybody's favorite, well, probably, the title track, simply entitled WrestleMania. Now, whether it's Linda McMahon coming down the aisle or the wonderful music video that was produced by the World Wrestling Federation, I think we all know this song. But how does it weigh up against our categories? Well, first up is character information. This is kind of a weird one because this is the first of two songs that are sort of about a concept or an event or something a little more abstract. And I feel that this song does give some positive information about WrestleMania. It does seem to sort of lean into the fact that WrestleMania is the top show in the industry, the showcase of the Immortals. It's where you where you really hone and perform your craft at the highest level. Now, the evidence that I have for this is in this song, Tatanka speaks about climbing to the top in the World Wrestling Federation, and Tatanka will do just that. Bret the Hitman Hart indicates that he is the World Wrestling Federation champion. The excellence of execution is on top, and there's a new gun in town. However, I don't really feel that that is enough to really contribute to the overall narrative of WrestleMania being on top, being the number one show, the granddaddy of them all, if you will. And so, kind of surprising... Might seem low, but off the bat, in terms of character information, WrestleMania scores in at a 6. Because in this project, 5 is going to be viewed as the median. You know, there may be some situations where musical vocals, for example, maybe the extra studio musicians don't really say anything, or they only say one thing. And if they say it, you know, just fine, that's probably your median score of 5. So I thought about giving this bad boy the median score of 5, but... Those vocals from Tatanka and Brett push along the narrative, so it gets up to a six. Character performances. There is a lot of wrestlers performing on this track. I think that there are way too many references to the year 1993, which, in retrospect, doesn't age this thing very well. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Nasty Boys, and the Big Boss Man just give generic information about themselves as characters. 
And so they're not really giving me anything for WrestleMania. Uh, we talked about Tatanka and Brett, and they do their job well. Mean Gene on this thing is pretty fun with his random, who will survives. So, in the end, I'm going to match it up with character information, and the performance is going to get a 6. Because, again, these performers are they're fine, alright? Now, keep in mind, all of these are in the proper context. Alright, a 6, like going up against a song by actual musicians or someone who can actually sing. Like, this is all within the sphere of this album. Okay, I'm not comparing it to like an actual musician. I should probably make that very clear, but I'm going to give it a six as well. Now, the musical production, it's a fantastic pop music feel, especially when you consider it's 1993. It does very much feel like it was put together in a laboratory. Nothing is real, but after all, that's what pop music is and was, or was and is to this very day is probably the better way to phrase it. But this tune, that being the music, it sticks with you. It really does. You're humming it the rest of the day, and so I'm giving it an 8. Musical vocals. Remember, this is everybody who's not a World Wrestling Federation superstar. Ha 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 Body to survive. I love it. And I love the second ver- the second portion of that where they switch the fighting to survive to yeah this is our life because it really says like yeah this is our life man this is fucking WrestleMania and that really carries the overall information about it being WrestleMania. It's just too bad that it's not a World Wrestling Federation superstar giving you this information. Now the rap at the end may not gel up with WrestleMania info per se, but we do get a sweet. Thor reference, and a Fantastic Four reference as well. Plus, uh, pump it up, just jump, the WWF spells danger. It's 93, it's time for WrestleMania. I love it. It's one of those rap lines that barely rhymes, but it fits perfectly. And they also mentioned that it's the new improved version of the WWF, which fits into that sort of new generation narrative. The musical vocals carry this motherfucker. Pure and simple, and I'm giving it an 8. Imagery. This might be cheating, because I've heard this song a trillion times, and I will hear it hopefully a trillion more before I die. I can't help but hear this song and get images of WrestleMania's past, present, and now in my head. I have to go the full Monty. It creates an image of WrestleMania. Pure and simple, it gets a 10. Now, the big test. Embarrassment. Starting strong with a zero. I can and do play this motherfucker during WrestleMania season nonstop, and I feel no pain from this. If someone in my sphere of people were to walk up to me and be like, what are you listening to? I'd be like, it's a fucking WrestleMania theme song. WrestleMania's in four weeks. Get the fuck out of here if you got negative things to say. I'm not embarrassed by this track at all. And if you're a math major, that means our final score is 38. We deduct absolutely nothing from it for embarrassment. And so it stays pretty close to perfection at 38. I mean, it's only 12 away, right? How high could these scores possibly get? Well, you might be surprised. Now, track number two sort of has a little bit of controversy surrounding it. 
It does, you might ask. Well, let me explain. So the song is called Slam Jam. All right, no controversy there. However, when this song was unveiled to the World Wrestling Federation viewing audience in music video form, it was entitled Summer Slam Jam. So this is sort of a Mandela effect type of situation. Is this song truly about SummerSlam, or is it just a generic song about the World Wrestling Federation superstars getting together to slam and jam? I don't really know, but here's what's unique about it. It kind of works both ways, and I've tried to explain that when dishing out the scores. So character information. Well, we discussed the two ways you could view it. The song starts with the lyrics, The World Wrestling Federation Today. So, okay, the introduction tells us this song is about the World Wrestling Federation Today. That is the character. The character is the state of the World Wrestling Federation. However, you'll notice that the song is carried by the British Bulldog and Bret the Hitman Hart sort of having a back and forth, invoking imagery of the previous SummerSlam. Because after all, the SummerSlam at Wembley was a SummerSlam that preceded this track being released. It works really well either way. Then you throw in the fact that uh, The Undertaker and Macho Man Randy Savage add in random pieces of information. Well, they both performed at SummerSlam 92. They're also huge baby faces in the World Wrestling Federation, which gels up with the World Wrestling Federation today, as Bret Hart says. So it's kind of genius. It works under both scenarios, neither one being confirmed. Which one do we know to go with? Guys, I'm giving this one a 9. It's hugely high. It's bigly high, as you might say. But I feel like it's it's just such a great happy accident. Now, the performance gets an 8 because Bret Hart and Davey Boy Smith get the point across that their rivals going up against one another at the SummerSlam. It would have gotten a 10 if Brett would have said the words, the SummerSlam. So I feel like they do their part. And say Savage and Taker only have a few lines. The only reason that this thing loses any points at all is because, again, this dual narrative comes to effect. I'm not quite sure which one. But pick one and it works well. I'm telling you, there's something about this SummerSlam or Slam Jam song. It works really well. It's just too bad it doesn't know what story it wants to tell because that's what's keeping the numbers from being higher. Now, musical production. Basically, take everything I said about WrestleMania, the song, in terms of positives. But this song has sort of an extra layer of Frankenstein's monster post-production sounds added to it. I can't really put my finger on it. I listened to it like six times trying to. I'm sorry. And so WrestleMania got an eight in musical production. I can't just... It's just not quite on par with that, so I'm going to give it a seven. I'm sorry, guys. If the SummerSlam jam is your jam, please understand I'm trying to be objective and fair and stay in, la- stay in the lanes that I've created. Okay? Musical vocals. I dig it. The lyrics seem to go with the WWF's new generation, like, here's what we're up to today in the WWF as its concept. With the, every great team needs a theme, so here we go with the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) That was a little sound effect I added at the end. It doesn't really go with the SummerSlam presentation. 
That's how you actually use the phrase the SummerSlam correctly, by the way. Every great team needs a theme. We're a team of superstars. We're the baby faces here in the WWF. We've got the good, you know, uh, Bret Hart, I guess. The bad, and the macho man, he's bad. Uh-huh. And the ugly, zoom in on the Undertaker. And then you get your little sound effect. It works, but it's not WrestleMania. So I'm going to go with a seven because it doesn't fit both concepts properly. Imagery. Well, I can listen to this song, and I can see both. I can see uh, a montage of SummerSlam clips, the greatest moments in the history of SummerSlam, etc. And I can also see like a team-building piece. Here's just the World Wrestling Federation today, as Bret Hart puts it. Here's just some clips of some new generation stars doing some new generation stuff. The problem is, I just don't know what I should see because of this crazy controversy surrounding the song title. But it's not going to deduct too much. I'm going to give it an 8, which I think is really solid. And the scores for this bad boy are pretty high. It's picking up the slack with character information and performance that WrestleMania didn't have. Let's talk about embarrassment. Hmm. Well, I do play this song around SummerSlam season. However, it's not clearly about SummerSlam. So if someone were to come up, same scenario, what are you listening to? I'm listening to the SummerSlam theme song. And this person joins in, they're like, I didn't really hear any references to SummerSlam, Johnny C. I'm afraid I'm going to have to deduct one point. So SummerSlam Jam or Slam Jam hit 39, but we deduct one, which means the final score is 38 in a deadlock tie with WrestleMania, the theme song. Who would have seen it coming? Not I. Okay. I really, I thought WrestleMania was going to run away with this thing. All right. And that's my personal bias, but that's why I also think is good evidence to give you. I'm trying to be fair. As fair as I can be, and I'm trying to be as true as I can to the song that I'm hearing, not the memory of the song that I'm hearing. I think that's a huge part of this experiment. Track number three, USA. We're finally into the character-focused songs, and this song is brought to us by Hacksaw Jim Duggan, a powerful new force indeed. So, character information... I can't believe I'm going to do this, but you have to be fair to the spirit of the project. Oh, God. A nine. Fuck me sideways. I hate to do it, but I get it. If I don't know who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is, okay, listen to this fucking song. I got my two by four. I got the American flag. Ho! Like, I, I hate to do it, but it gets a nine because it's so on the nose. How could you go anything less? Honestly, it might be 10 worthy, but I can't do it. <laughs> My bias is, a, is present here. I can't go a full 10. Now, we do get to ding it in our next category. Character performance. Hacksaw is okay most of the time. But when he's not yelling random things like, I got the American flag, ho! He tells a little story. 
he tells stories about seeing big guys across across the ring from him. And he's like, oh, you know, sometimes I do get a little apprehensive. And then he's like, uh-oh. He's randomly telling a story about getting pumped up. He's like, I grabbed the American flag. I grabbed my 2x4. Uh-oh. And then I blew a big ho. So Hacksaw, evening out the score, you get a four for your performance in this song as the lyrical wordsmith indeed musical production i get a real sega genesis track vibe from this song the and i love video game music i really do but i feel like compared to our previous two tracks the production values have really slid downhill on this one. I mean, seriously, it's just a boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. And there's just not a whole lot to it. So I'm going to give it the median score of five. Musical vocals. Well, I I already let the cat out of the bag. And I, I gave you the entire additional non-Hacksaw Jim Duggan related musical line. A powerful new force. Now... <laughs> It doesn't really mean anything to this song. It doesn't add anything to it. It really has nothing to do with Hacksaw. But it's just a powerful new force. I mean, that's all that they really add. So I'd feel bad going really negative. Because it's the a powerful new force performance. Like, the way it's done, there's nothing wrong with it. So I've decided to go with the median of five on musical vocals. Imagery, son of a bitch. <sighs> I can see Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the locker room with his goddamn 2x4 and his American flag next to him as he's lacing up a boots, telling the camera a story about, well, you know, sometimes I do get a little apprehensive. And then when we hit the chorus, USA, U-U-U-U-S-A, USA. Like, I can see Hacksaw out in the ring hitting his greatest hits. I hate the fact that it's produced such solid imagery in my head. It's imagery that seems to be focused and on point. I'm going to give it a 7. And I can't believe that I did. Embarrassment! Alright, well... There's definitely some kitsch factor here. And of course, there's the wonderful in-joke of the song being played to uh, destroy the mindset of Scott Criscolo over on the Place to Be Nation. But honestly, folks, this song... You ever see the movie Blade? Okay? So in the movie Blade, the vampires have a rave. And they play that sick, awesome track, Confusion, by New Order. Confusion. Okay, point, point in my head. That's like the Vampire National Anthem in my head, right? I feel like this song would be the song that you pl- that you play at like a Trump rally as you're trying to get the crowd pumped up and you're waiting for the big D to come out. And it's like, USA! U, 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 USA! When you throw in the fact that Hacksaw Jim Duggan as a wrestling character is sort of your lowest common denominator USA All-American type uh, character, which is a... Uh, like, I'm not trying to be mean to the USA. I realize, uh, okay, USA, like, the you know, it is what it is. Uh I feel like when you're that type of character, though, you're already capped out as this is as high as you can go as a USA character. See, Luger, comma, Lex. And so I give this bad boy a negative eight for embarrassment. 
because it is a fucking embarrassing track to listen to or get caught listening to. So believe it or fucking not, USA ended up with a score of 30, but of course, we deduct 8 for a final score of 22. Next up, The Nasty Boy Stomp by The Nasty Boys. Character information. Okay, I listened to this track, and here's what I know about The Nasty Boys. They're nasty, but how are they nasty? Why are they nasty? Do they cheat in their matches? Are they unclean? I just don't know. And so I'm going to go with the median of five. Of course, I know why they're the nasty. See, you got to kind of take my yourself, your wrestling knowledge sort of out of this. I get that they're nasty because they'll let me know. We'll get there. But I just don't know why. So it's a straight up five. Character performance. Oh, boy. The nasty boys barely say anything in this track. Uh, they say, you're going down, and you're going down, and you're going down. And then they also say, you're going to Nastyville. And then there's a brief, there's like a very awkward cut. So I think Jerry Sags had more to say, but it didn't quite make the final edit. You're going to Nastyville. You're, you're going to Nastyville. So the Nasty Boys are not really bringing anything to this song. They're the opposite of of Hacksaw Jim... Well, no, not really the opposite of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But it's like, they just... They're not giving me anything. It's just sound bites. And I'm not saying I want them to, but they get a three. Because they're not really contributing anything to this fucking song. Musical production. This one might surprise you. The music is entirely forgettable. Like, really forgettable. It's a generic, like, tough guy, like, rap like stomp okay however the back half of this track really brings it when they add in some electronic horns and then out of nowhere we get the inspector gadget riff and when you keep in mind that the the team that produced this song has gone back through the archives and added clips of Bobby and Gorilla into this bad boy. Bobby and Gorilla carry this motherfucker. With Bobby's, the nasty boys are just plain nasty. And Gorilla's, oh, it seems like it's nasty boys who are having some fun. They find perfect places to add this in. It's unbelievable that it carries it this high, but the musical production gets a seven. Equal to the SummerSlam Jam. Blasphemy. It is just the spirit of the project, though. Uh, the musical vocals, I, I, I mean, they're like, nasty, a nasty boys, you're nasty, you're nasty boys, a nasty. That's really all they say, but that's part of the hook. And so I wanted to go the median, like I did with a powerful new force, but... The musical vocals are a little bit more important to this track than they are on USA, and so I'm going to give them a slight edge to a six. Imagery. Well, this sort of gives me a music video in my head of, like, the Nasty Boys walking around some dirty city, maybe in some back alleys, kicking over trash cans. And when they play either one of the Gorilla or Bobby clips, I get them doing a pit stop to one of their opponents with the nasty boys are just plain nasty but at the same time that's all shit that i made up in my head so i'm gonna give it just a four because there's no concrete 
scenario that says this is what you should be seeing in your head. It's just Johnny C's absurd craziness that makes him see this. Embarrassment. It's not as bad as being at the USA rally that I described, but it's similar in the same vein. If someone I want to impress is walking around me saying, what you listening to? I'm just going to flip the kill switch and say, I'm not listening to anything, sir. How's your day going? And so because of that, I'm going to deduct six points. So the Nasty Boy Stomp ended up at 25, but we had to deduct six for a final score of 19. Well, at least the Nasty Boy's final score is old enough to drink in Canada, a place that I'm sure they don't want to be. Well, maybe the whores are are cheaper in Canada with the whole conversion thing. So, all right, Nasty Boys, you can go to Canada. The next track on WrestleMania the album really dives into some hard truths. And I think we should probably all just tell the truth right away. This is the one you came to hear, right? This is the one you really want to know about. This is the song that should main event this show, but we're going in track order, so here we are. It's brought to us by the World Wrestling Federation champion, Brett Hitman Hart. And it's entitled, Never Been a Right Time to Say Goodbye. Our first category is character information. Seriously, what the fuck is this? This is like a tone poem performed by Brett the Hitman Hart. All of my Brett the Hitman Hart bias tossed to the side, okay? Please understand that it's out the window and it doesn't exist in this presentation. What the fuck is this? Brett the Hitman Hart, I don't know if he has so many catchphrases, but his he's got excellence of execution. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. And you're telling me you couldn't come up with a song centered around one of those? This man is the champion this man is the cornerstone of your federation. This is the guy who's on the billboards, the popsicles, the coloring books, the flamethrowers, if you will, okay? Why? Why? Why are we not telling the audience anything about the hitman? Zero! An absolute fucking zero on character information. <sighs> character performance. I guess it's fine. Brett the Hitman Hart is just reading his lines, but it's not his character. Like, I considered being fair and just giving this thing the median score of five, but it's going to lose a point for his awful delivery of either way, she'll end up crying, no denying. I just... <laughs> so the character performance in this song gets a four. And that's me being very generous, I might say, and trying to stay within the nature of the project. Now, if you don't believe me on that one, musical production. Well, believe it or not, folks, in my opinion, the musical production really brings it here. Simon Cowell said, you know, I want you to put together a ballad song for the WWF album. I don't know, make it just some, make it, make it kind of a, like a dope ballad song. Just do it. I don't really care. I'm going to go get a blowjob. And he walked out of the studio. And you know what? The musical production crew did just that. Is it wrong-spirited? Yes. Is it out of touch? Yes. But it is 
a ballad for the World Wrestling Federation WrestleMania, the album. And so I give musical production a nine. See, I could be fair. Musical vocals. Folks, the musical vocals carry this entire song with the somewhat, believe it or not, catchy hook. Never was a way things you're gonna say to break a heart and make a cry. There's never been a right time to sing goodbye, to sing goodbye. And given the proper context, the musical vocals get a 10 out of 10. I can't believe it, but they are this entire song. It pains me to say positive things about this. And if you're not familiar with this song, first of all, pause what you're doing and go fucking listen to it. It's basically Bret Hart reciting a poem about breaking some lady's heart and walking away and leaving her crying, 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 crying. Like, it's just so bad. But the cheese factor, it just, again, with the production, with like the Simon Cowell, like musical side of this song, it's fine. I, I don't know that it's going to top the charts. It's certainly not. But given the sphere, all, the only thing we really have is the what's on the rest of the album. Like, this shit brings it. The imagery, believe it or not, I'm a tale of two minds here. The serious side of my mind actually sees this as a pretty good song to use for like a Bret the Hitman Heart music video right after WrestleMania 9. Where he's, he, you know, he's got to say goodbye. He lost the gold. He's disgraced. But he wants to fight back. Because there's never a right time to say goodbye. To say goodbye. To say goodbye. And I honestly think that you could put this. Maybe show Brett like rehabbing some injuries he got from Yokozuna or something. And it, you know, I don't want to leave her crying. And cut to like a girl in the front row with some tears in her eyes. Feeling it for the hitman. There's some positivity here. There's Despite the ill-intended nature or desires of the song, there is a way to spin this thing positively and make me see Bret Hart in a better light because of this song. The other crazy side of my mind sees Bret the Hitman Hart on a rooftop singing this song to the camera while he's cleaning his sniper rifle. Because after all, let's not forget, Bret the Hitman Hart is a hitman. Maybe Daredevil is tied up next to him on a pole with some chains. And he's letting Daredevil know he doesn't want to do this. But he has to do this. He's a hitman. He's like the Punisher. And yes, I've stolen this entire scenario from that sweet episode of Daredevil. Where Daredevil and Punisher spend the entire episode on a rooftop. With Daredevil trying to talk the Punisher out of killing someone. But if Brett the Hitman Hart is a hitman as to be believed. Perhaps he's waiting to shoot Julie Hart as she comes out of a building and he says goodbye. No, that's probably not anything to do with the song. But it makes me laugh, so I wanted to bring it in here. And because of the imagery that's possible with this song, if you really wanted to use it in a World Wrestling Federation scenario, I give it a 6! Because this could be the Come Back to Us Brett song. Brett, it wasn't time to say goodbye, to say goodbye, to say goodbye. Okay? So, holy shit! I think I was fair in the first, and I'm fair here in the end. Let's go to embarrassment. What? I can't believe this. It gets a zero. Oh, this one is easy to explain, though. Same scenario. Someone in your sphere of influence walks up to you and they say, Johnny C, or insert your name here, what the fuck are you listening to? It's real simple to explain away. 
Oh, you got to listen to this. This is a song they made a wrestler sing. You've got to hear it. It's so bad. And you can share. Maybe you can get together with Eric Bischoff and have a beer. You know, I'd, I'd see Eric Bischoff on the street. I'd have a beer. And you sit back, you put your feet up on the desk, and you listen to this song, and you laugh at Bret Hart together. I can't believe it, but it's kind of true, right? You don't have to be embarrassed because it's so bad. You can explain it away. Never been a right time to say goodbye gets a final score of 29 fucking points. Which puts it above USA and the Nasty Boys. Of course, we'll do a final score down at the end. I can't, I can't believe this. But I, I, I do want to say, though, as a final note on this song. Just listen to it. Just do yourself a fucking favor. Get really high or drunk or something and just listen to this song and have yourself a four-minute entertainment spree, okay? Because that's what it's going to give you. But I had to be fair to the project. And it ends up with a mind-boggling 29 points. Now it is time to say goodbye to side A, flip the tape over, and head on over to side B. Now, you don't actually have to do anything, but I just wanted to simulate that experience for the younger folks out there, because us old folk remember having to turn over a tape to start the other side. And we're starting with a doozy, folks. The Man in Black, presented to us by The Undertaker. All right, so what do we get in the lines of character information on this bad boy? Well, he's in black, he's dead, his enemies will die, they will rot, they will rest in peace, etc., etc. All right, all right. So the Undertaker's on this bad boy, and he's talking obvious character stuff. It, it's an easy one. It's a simple 10 out of 10. Because the Undertaker, famously, is never breaking character, even in an early 90s New Jack Swing album. Now, where I'm going to ding the Undertaker here is for his character performance. This man is asked to say, Dance with the Undertaker. Oh, I'll dance with you, Mark. I'll dance you all the way to the fucking bad score that you're going to get in character performance. The man in black. Ugh, a lot. I, I talk about rotting flesh. And that guess what, guys? The Undertaker's going to bury you. And the Undertaker is talking way too much. Now to get serious. The Undertaker as a character is best, especially at this time period, where he's the silent monster type, okay? And The Undertaker is on this bad boy fucking performing all of these lines. And there's even, like, footage of him in the music videos, like, standing there with the fucking headphone up to his ear, like, The Undertaker says slam. And, and, and you know, it's just, it's so out of character. He has a manager. Why not bring in Paul Bear on this bad boy? He's right fucking there, and he's got a unique voice. Undertaker's gonna make you dance. I, I don't know, just do something. It's just the wrong direction for this character. Alright, I'm trying to glom it up and make it funny, but it's not funny. It's wrong-headed. It's a one. It's the It's the worst idea. Well, not the worst idea on the entire album, but it's very, very bad. Now, musical production. Again, I've already mentioned how did they not include Paul Bearer. The instrument choice on this track is insane. Now, I do dig the little Phantom of the Opera inclusion they pulled us. 
But the whole song is just a little too peppy for the man in black. It's like the man in... Like it's way too of an upper song, you know? It gives me a real distinct Simpsons Sing the Blues vibe. There's too many fucking instruments on this thing, and they're playing music that is way too happy. It's a miscue. It's a misalignment of character and music. It's maybe the worst one I could think of. We're going with a four. Number five, four, or number five. Well, there you go. Spoiler alert. Musical vocals gets a number five because it's the median score. The the actual non-Undertaker music vocals is just the folks saying, the man in black. That's all they say. The man in black. And so I can't really go either way. I'm going to be nice and just give it the median. Now, imagery. Folks, I, I know I try to do some jokes, but literally, when this song has this little breakdown and it's like, da, 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 what pops into my head is an image of the fucking Undertaker in a cemetery opening his jacket up so you can see his legs and his feet, and he starts to do some sort of synchronized dance with a bunch of people in skeleton costumes. All right? I'm giving this motherfucker a three. And I'm only giving it a three because I also picture Paul Bearer behind The Undertaker, like pulsating and thrusting, and perhaps doing the robot at the end. That's the, that's what this song musically puts into my head. If I didn't have that image of Paul Bearer, it might be a zero. It's just, it's the wrong choice. I'm not trying to be so mean, but come on, it just doesn't gel with me. And while I do love the image of The Undertaker dancing like that, don't get me wrong, like that, that puts a smile on my face, that's not the imagery that I should be getting. Now, I feel like this song could be used to make like a funny video of The Undertaker with, but I don't know that I'd want to be caught listening to it in public musically. I'm kind of give or take either way. Half of me is like, oh, this is easy to write it off and make fun of it because everybody knows who The Undertaker is. But the other half of me is like, do you really want someone to walk into your office and it's like... So I'm going to go with the median five for deductions of points when it comes to embarrassment. Folks, the man in black gets a total of 23 points minus the five for the embarrassment. And yikes, the streak is over. 18 points out of a possible 50 for the man in black. Sorry, Mark, today is not your day. Now, we need to rebound pretty hard because that song put me in a bad spot. Our next track, Speaking from the Heart by the macho man Randy Savage. Let's start with character information. Folks, one of the best parts about this song is it is actually a story about the macho man hidden in catchy lyrics. So many references to the actual and true history of the character. Early on, he calls himself the king of the WWF. Bragging and boasting? Well, maybe. But don't forget, he was the Macho King until he found redemption in the arms of Elizabeth. He says he's found the light at the end of the tunnel. Definitely referring to perhaps what I just comically referenced, that WrestleMania 7 retirement match. They do include the Monday Night Raw siren in the back. We'll talk about that more music production. 
He's been soaring with the Eagles. You know, that eagle he wore around his waist when he was a World Wrestling Federation champion. And slithering with the snakes. Pretty famous storyline involving the Macho Man Randy Savage going up against a snake. I think it's fantastic. It's just the right level of if you know what he's talking about, you get it. But if not, it's still catchy and good to listen to. 10 out of motherfucking 10 for character information. But the information is made even better by the fact that Savage is delivering it himself. The intro to this song, and we're talking about character performance now. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, oh yeah. I don't know what it means, but I fucking love it. And then he says, stand back. A nice, subtle Vince McMahon reference there. Tell me you caught that. He says, Macho Man says, dig it, dig it. Macho Man says, dig it, dig it. He's telling you what he says, and then he's making sure you dig it with a question at the end, and he even adjusts his inflection on the second. Dig it. He's doing the thing in the ring. Uh-huh. It's like all the best parts of his promos set to music. He even throws in the Popeye. I am what I am. I am the macho man. I am your friend. Freak out. Freak out. Uh-huh. And how about the breakdown at the end when the music gets a little slow? The moon, the stars, Venus, Pluto, Saturn. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but I'm fucking here for it, Randy. You've put me in the spot. 10 out of 10 for character performance. Would you expect anything less from the goddamn macho man now musical production the the background music here is very reminiscent of the quality of the wrestlemania or the slam jam songs however and 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 to me that puts it around a seven or an eight because slam jam was seven and wrestlemania was eight all right now they add in a very subtle way but you can hear and it is there the monday night raw siren indicating Savage's transition from doing the thing in the ring to doing the thing on commentary with that Monday Night Raw siren. It's a big part of his presentation, okay? And then, right before the hook, you get the little soundbite of Mean Gene, Macho Man Randy Savage. And what's happening behind Gene saying, Macho Man Randy Savage? It's the pomp and circumstance intro. They've actually incorporated his theme song. Everybody's saying he's really quite amazing. I'm going to put it at a nine. I think it's fantastic, obviously, as I think you can tell from the sound of my voice. Now, the vocalist and the musical vocal performance, it's, it's great. I got a few problems with it. What's up with the pronunciation of macho being macho? He's the macho man. Plus, you've got the DJ character who's like, let me hear you say ho. Ho. Now, I know it's 1993 and randomly yelling, let me hear you say ho in a song like this kind of makes sense. So I understand where you're coming from. However, there are too many independent utterances of the word ho from the background guy. And we have an entire character who has his own song where that's basically all he fucking says. Obviously, the producers here weren't talking. It's like we had the say, we had a fucking count-out finish and then a count-out finish in the next match. It's not exactly brand synergy as we talk about here in the Aqua Cave. But how about that lady who's like, 
<laughs> that gets my heart pumping. Everybody's saying that gets my heart pumping. I just fucking love it. But there are a little bit of problems here, as we discussed. So I'm going to go with just a seven for the musical performance. But the chorus, the hook, uh, he's a macho man. Ooh, ooh. Like, it's just so fucking catchy. And that's going to pivot over to the imagery. Most of the time, as I'm listening to this track, I can view his career trajectory up until this point in a music video form to this song. There's a couple of parts where it doesn't work, but it, it can work, but it becomes a little bit more difficult to keep the vibe going in your head. And so for that, I'm going to give it only an 8. Now, the embarrassment factor... I will fully cop to the fact, even though I think it's very clear I'm a big fan of this song, it is cheesy. And in the spirit of the project, you need to recognize that. So I am going to deduct two points. I'm going to give it a minus or a negative two when it comes to the embarrassment factor. Now, if you're keeping track at home, much the opposite of The Undertaker's Man in Black. Speaking from the heart, totals in with 44 points. We subtract two. And that puts it at 42, which places it currently above WrestleMania and the SummerSlam Jam as our current number one song from WrestleMania, the album. I think Savage would agree and say, dig it, dig it. Next song is a bit of a throwback. A throwback to like the 1800s or the 1700s or 1600s. I don't know what fucking hundreds... It's Tatanka Native American by Tatanka. All right. Let's get into some character information here and make sure we tiptoe around all the nonsense. Well, Tatanka makes a lot of things clear in this song. And honestly, if you don't have an understanding of the Tatanka character by the time you've listened to this song... I don't know what to do for you, man. Like, I just don't know. They're dealing in every stereotype under the sun to make it very, very clear. Tatanka, you see, he made a promise to climb to the top for all his little braves and all his little fans, little fans, little fans. Tatanka, Buffalo, goddamn this fucking song. Oh, so I don't know any other way to slice it. It. You're lost, okay? If you listen to this track and you don't have an idea of what to expect with Tatanka hops out to the ring, maybe you should find another sport to uh, to watch. I don't know. Let's talk about Tatanka's or Tato's performance, though. Well, Tatanka really has a grasp for his character. You see, many moons ago, he made that promise that we spoke of earlier. And where did he make that promise? In the World Wrestling Federation. And where does he work? In the World Wrestling Federation. (laughs) Tataka, you want to get some lunch? Where do you want to go? In the World Wrestling Federation. (laughs) Oh, God, he says it so many times. Um, In the middle of the song... Tatanka starts giving like an Oscars acceptance speech. He's like, I want to say thanks to all the great spirits and all the chiefs and all our little braves and all my little fans, little fans, little fans. Tatanka! Oh, we'll get there, folks. I mean, it's the opposite of The Undertaker. Undertaker doesn't break character the entire time, and it's a bad idea. 
because he's man from the dark side. He shouldn't be talking. Tatanka doesn't break character at all. And it's a fucking... It's cheesier than one of those pizzas in the fucking beginning of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 when everybody's eating a slice of pizza. I got to go 10 out of 10. So that's 20 right off the bat because he got 10 for character information and 10 for character performance. My God, what is happening? Could it be a clean sweep? Uh, Let's talk about the musical production. Well, we've got some chanting, all right? Some hey yeah yeah I'm just doing the song, all right. I'm just repeating what it's giving me. Don't get don't get tizzy, all right. The problem with this chanting, and I don't know if it's a problem with me, but it absolutely sounds like hey how are you hey how are you, <laughs> which of course, who can hear something like that and not think of Bobby Heenan's classic words from WrestleMania eight. Um. There are some gunshots as well. I'm not sure why these are in here. And I believe there's a xylophone with the electronic beatbox. It's like... Xylophone, xylophone, boom, boom, xylophone, xylophone. And uh, they make sure to incorporate the Tatanka yell. His chant, if you will, his war cry, his... Uh, he ye 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 ye. See, I'm not doing an impression of it. I'm just making the vocal sounds. It's quite a fucking mix. I gotta be honest with you. And it's not quite worthy of some of our higher scores. So I'm gonna go with a six. Let's talk about the musical vocals from everyone that isn't Tatanka. Well, everybody's been waiting for it. Might as well just bust it out. Tatanka! Buffalo! Tatanka! Buffalo! I got Native American blood in my veins and I fight in the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Where do you fight, Tato? I got Native American blood in my veins and I in the World Wrestling Federation. Alright, that must be where he goes. So seriously, folks, they say Tatanka Buffalo 13 times in this motherfucker. And I swear to you, God is my witness. They have absolutely sampled Gorilla Monsoon's voice in Tatanka Buffalo, right? At least on Tatanka. I can't really confirm it's in Buffalo, but they absolutely have him saying, Tatanka! And, like, they've put other voices on top of it, but it's Gorilla fucking Monsoon, or I'll eat my hat. Now, there is a bit of a breakdown, and it goes a little something like this. I got the fire from the tribe, so let me be brief. I'm the warrior guardian chief. Yep. That's right, I'm swapping out the word for guardian. Just for fucking guardian chief, alright? But first, I need to know a little something. You be safe for bungee jumping! <laughs> I'm on the warpath, so call all the soldiers at the chief of staff, 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 staff. Tatanka! Buffalo! It's an eight. This guy is bringing it with this fucking rap. And Tatanka Buffalo becomes so ridiculous and absurd, it circles back around to awesome. Now, here's the problem, though. When it comes to imagery, it's very much nothing positive. I picture a big outdoor fire concert with Tatanka performing for everybody, with pretty much every stereotype under the sun happening at this bonfire. I'm sorry, that's just what I see. I I, I didn't put it there. You put it there. You're the song. Oh, boy. And then when it comes to the embarrassment factor, look... 
I feel like I should be canceled just for listening to this fucking song. If my boss or someone that matters walks into my office and fucking Tatanka Buffalo is bursting out of the speakers, well, I feel like I'm going to be handed a box with all of my shit in it. The full Monty, the full negative 10 for embarrassment. Tano, buddy, you had it. You had the world in your hands for all your little Braves and all your little fans, and you lost it. Score of 37 with 10 deducted puts it all the way down to 27. Sorry, buddy. Not exactly a perfect score. But our next song is indeed I'm Perfect by fucking Mr. Perfect. I pol- my apologies to anyone who's heard me talk about this song on another podcast. Character information. Well, he's perfect and he stands for wrestling, but he can still fight. He can run faster than you, jump higher, yada, yada, yada. We get it. I, I mean, you got to go 10 out of 10 because Mr. Perfect's character is fully on display. If you don't get it before, again, I don't know what else to fucking tell you. He tells you everything you need to know. His performance, though? Holy shit. It's... A- It's so weird. It sounds like Mr. Perfect, the person, doesn't really believe what his character is all about. He sounds like he's talking shit about himself when he's like, I'm perfect. He sounds like a big fucking douchebag. And he's like, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. And I know that's production that's making him stutter and what have you. But it just sounds really shitty. And it makes it sound like he's doing a bad job. There's only one. There's only one Mr. Perfect. Bottom line. Bottom line. I'm perfect. I don't know if you're perfect there, Kurt. I'm going to give him the median a five. Because I feel like the performance is manipulated so heavily by the production. I can't be fair about it. Flip side. The musical production. The whole song is basically a Super Nintendo version of Mr. Perfect's theme. Kind of. The intro lasts about 40 seconds long, and then it bursts into some 1990, not even 1993, adult pop song. It sounds like, I love your smile, I'm perfect. It even has a little, like, banging on the glasses, I'm perfect, do-do-do. Yeah, I love your smile. Do 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 do. Oh boy! <laughs> and then, and then to the, when the Mister Perfect song comes back, we get some fucking DJ scratches. And then there's kind of like a Seinfeld noise, like it's like, bing. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like Mister Perfect meets Seinfeld versus that stupid "I Love Your Smile" song. And I give them massive props for actually fucking using the Mr. Perfect theme song as the the genesis of this whole thing. And it's fucking ludicrously awful, but ludicrously brilliant at the same time. And it's the most 90s thing I've ever heard. I gotta go 8. Do, 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 do. Boing. Do, 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 boing. Uh, In terms of the non-character vocals or the musical vocals, there aren't any in this song. So it gets the median of 5. Now, imagery, not quite as strong. 
I literally get the picture of Mr. Perfect standing in a recording studio with the little one earphone on his ear, saying his lyrics like all he wants to do is get the fuck out of there and do some fucking blow off of I don't know who, but someone that will tell him that he is perfect because he certainly doesn't believe it after singing this song, Kurt. You gotta put your back into it, buddy. I'm only getting a two with imagery. There's no way I could set this song to a montage of Perfect being a badass in the ring because it just doesn't work. Embarrassment factor? I think this one kind of splits right down the middle. All in all, the song's kind of the definition of meh. I mean, it's got the great background music, but everything else that's a part of this presentation is just not working for me. I can see it being embarrassing, but on the flip side, it's Mr. Perfect, so maybe it's not embarrassing. And I put it right in the middle with a median score of 5. So, I'm Perfect had a score of 30. We deducted 5, which is going to put it down at 25 big points. (sighs) Folks, it is not every day in a person's life where they can wake up and experience something for the first time. In doing research for this project, I learned of a hidden bonus track that currently was only available in the UK. Well, since the monarchy has fallen, this song has found its way over to American shores. And it is called Cold Crush. And it is a song about the WWF's original Hawaiian punch. Kota Crush. And I listened to it for the first time in the history of my life today. And I listened to it again and again and again and again so I could properly review it for this album. You're getting a unique experience here, folks. All these songs I've heard a hundred times. But here we go with Cold Crush. Character information. All I know is Crush is from Hawaii. You get a two there, brother. Sorry about your luck. Now, on the flip side, (coughs) excuse me, Crush's performance. My God. (laughs) This song is amazing. It starts out, and Crush is like, Aloha! Like he didn't know he was about to perform on a song. It's like he's just standing there, and someone taps him on the shoulder, they stick a microphone, and he's like, Oh, Aloha! Hi, I'm Crush! And uh, I want to thank you for giving me the push I need. Mahalo from Crush. Mahalo from Crush. Mahalo from Crush. Now, (laughs) I listened to this song like six times. For the first four times, I thought his next big line was Taffa and Affa. Taffa and Affa. Like he was throwing like uh, some fucking shout outs to the Samoan dynasty. I I figured Affa's one of them. I didn't know if Taffa was. But he's actually saying tougher and tougher. Tougher and tougher. One at a time, two at a time, I live for competition. You know, I was just thinking, you know, one at a time, two at a time, I live for competition. (laughs) This entire song is performed as if it's an immediate recollection. Like, oh, now this microphone's in front of me. I think I should tell you a story, brother. It's awful and awesome at the same time. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, sometimes I think I should go back to Hawaii. I could be surfing and diving and diving and surfing. And then at the best part, there's a bit of a musical breakdown and Crush comes back onto the scene. He's like, you know, I was just thinking, if you kids out there like Crush, stay away from drugs. Life is hard enough. Mahalo from Crush. Mahalo from Crush. 
<laughs> I just can't even. It's an absolute fucking 10 out of 10 for Crush on the vocals. He's crushing it. Musical production. A Vince McMahon appears. Holy shit. It takes a pen or a submission to win a championship in the WWF. Lots of Vince McMahon audio clips in this song. The only song that has any. The song sounds like it comes straight from Mega Man. And I'm absolutely here for that. It's like an electronic guitar meets fucking chiptune. I kind of love it. We get some Bobby the Brain Heenan as well. What an elbow right in the kisser, says Vince McMahon. Then at the end, there's a sweet only guitar. There's like a guitar solo. And then Mega Man pops back in. Seven. It's a seven. Flip side, the musical vocals. Cold Crush. Cold, cold crush. That's how you measure cold crush. It's awful. It's the worst. It makes Crush's performance seem as if it should win some sort of fucking musical award. I don't know what they were thinking. It's obvious why this song got placed as a UK-only exclusive. But the fucking backup vocal guys absolutely shit the bed on this one. And they get a one. Imagery. Uh, the only thing I see during this motherfucker is Crush surfing. And in the middle of a big wave, that's when he gets surprised with the microphone and realizes he had he suddenly has to record a song. Uh, it's as if he could give a shit less, but then he just keeps going along with it. I'm giving you a six, Crush. You really put a smile on my face. And much like never been a right time to say goodbye. <clears throat> excuse me. Much like... Never been a right time to say goodbye. You have to fucking hear this song. It is so bad. It circles all the way back to being so bad. It's good. I'm deducting nothing. Cold Crush, 26 points. Deal with it. Oh, hey, Crush here. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> Mahalo from Crush. Tougher and tougher. Wow. But if you're having hard times with me giving that song a 26, too bad. Because I got some more hard times for you. It's our final track, Hard Times by the Big Boss Man. Character performance, I get it. I totally get where you're coming from, Boss Man. It's kind of a cheat because I know the song so well. Because, fuck, it's just his theme song. I'm thinking normally I'd give this a 7. But I could easily see someone listening to this and not knowing anything about the Big Boss Man thinking he's a cop and not a prison guard. And there's a difference there. So I'm going to go with a six. His musical performance, or his vocal performance, fucking Boss Man only delivers like two lines. You know, when I was a little boy, my mama and daddy said, treat people the way you want to be treated yourself. He kind of struggles to get that last yourself in. And he says data instead of daddy. He's going to get the median because the song is better than that. But and like I said, he's only got like two lines. But it's kind of a disappointment from the boss, man. Musically, it's supposed to be a pumped up remake of the original. And it is, but I just don't like it as much. It's got some serious Michael Jackson's Dangerous Album vibes. Like, it's too hardcore early 90s pop. It's just supposed to be... Like a guitar. If you have a dick drip. You know, I mean, it's the right move to adapt his theme song. It absolutely is. But this is the wrong direction to go with that adaptation, in my opinion. So I'm going to give it a six. 
because it had the right idea, but it picked the wrong things to emphasize. The musical vocals on this thing that aren't boss man carry the entire song, but here's the problem. I kind of get like a southern preacher vibe from this lead singer, and does he even say Cobb County, Georgia? I just prefer the original. Maybe it's because it's like an exact replication and the original is just so classic in my head, but I can't get behind this one like I can the original. But I'm not going to ding it too hard. Again, I'm just going to go with a six, one above the median. And again, sticking with the median, I'm giving it a five in imagery because it really just plays like a big boss man titantron in my head. It's really just his entrance song. It's too bad. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but in terms of, like, this project, I just don't know how to get it any higher. Embarrassment factor, though, is an absolute zero, because it can just be explained away as, oh, I'm listening to this wrestler's theme song that I like from back in the day. There's really nothing to be embarrassed about. And when you add those numbers together, I mean, it's kind of straight down the line. It's a 28, which is respectable. Absolutely. But if you told me that they're just going to do hard times and they're going to make it, finger quotes, better by giving it a better musical production, some more lyrics, etc., how could it not deliver a much higher score? It's just what they gave us doesn't gel with what I'm looking for, and that's why it gets the score that it gets. And folks, that's the album. That's a wrap, if you will, so let's tally up these final scores and start with the worst and end at the best. Coming in dead fucking last with a score of 18 out of 50. The man in... The Man in Black by The Undertaker. Not much higher is 19 out of 50 points. The Nasty Boy Stomp by Nasty. Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys are just plain nasty. Up next, with 22 out of a possible 50, USA! USA! Next on the docket, splitting it right down the middle, 25 points out of a possible 50, fourth from last, I'm perfect. Not today you are, Kurt. Not today. Uh, One point higher, number 26, just right above the halfway point, I'm proud to get it here. Mahalo from Crush. <laughs> it's that motherfucking cold crush. At 26 points. One point higher. 27 out of 50. We have Tatanka Native American by Tatanka Buffalo. He's got Native American blood in his vein. And he fights for money and casinos. When I'm a million dollar team member. And continuing the trend of just one point higher. Look at this, just one point of separation between each of these. 28 out of 50, it's hard times by the big boss man. And then, rounding out uh, the contention for getting a medal, I guess, because only the top three get a medal, in fourth place, 29 out of 50. Again, just one point higher than the one before it. Unbelievable. Well, you know... There's never been a right time to say goodbye, to say goodbye, to say goodbye, to say goodbye. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it finished in fourth. But again, it's the project. It's not me. Tying for silver. 38 points out of 50. The SummerSlam Jam and WrestleMania, which I'm sure everybody expected one of to take number one. So did I. But number one... 42 out of 50. I'm telling you the truth, and I'm speaking from the heart. Macho Man Randy Savage 
buddy, you fucking earned it. Mm-hmm, that's what I thought. Johnny C, Mars, Mercury, <laughs> Neptune, Uranus, uh-huh. All those other planets need some love in the sequel much. Oh, but there won't be a sequel. The average score, just for anybody out there who's curious, is 28.36 points. So only four get above average, because Hard Time's got a 28, and Never Been a Right Time, you know, was a a 29. It's surprising, and I just, I can't believe that Brett got as high as he did. I guess he had to be pretty high to fucking sing that song. But speaking of making bad decisions while under the influence fans... Please remember to subscribe to the Aqua Cave podcast feed so you get notified whenever new content drops. Thank you so much for joining me here on Bright Man for this ridiculous topic that I think was a lot of fun. I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you.